Well, good morning. Please open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. And let's pray together as we look into God's Word. Our Heavenly Father, as we come before You today, we thank You that just as we we just sung about the reality of of Christ coming to earth, taking on flesh, and conquering death's sting. We are able to come into Your presence because of the person and work of Jesus. We are able to face life in all of its uncertainties because Jesus came to earth and provided a relationship between us as sinful humanity and a holy God. Today, we ask that You would be pleased as You move in our midst by Your Holy Spirit to take Your Word, the truths, the principles that we find being taught here and apply them to our lives. Help us to live out the Word of God. We know that this will benefit us because we're living as we were created to live. We also know that as we do this, it will be a reflection to a watching world, a needy world, a dying world, and that they might see Christ in us, the hope of glory. So we pray that you will work in our midst. Thank you, in the name of Jesus, amen. I would imagine most of us, in the hearing of my voice, <clears throat> have a cell phone, other than Britt. Uh, most of us have a cell phone, <laughs> and on that cell phone, we probably have a GPS system, right? A global positioning system. I do not like to use my GPS. I don't always agree with the route that it wants to take me, right? And so I, when I'm going on a trip, when I'm going somewhere that I'm not familiar with, I usually look up on the map and see, how do I get there? Kind of what's the gist of this journey? Because I don't like to depend on technology that may or may not work right. But when I find myself in an unfamiliar place, when I have to go on a detour. And I am so glad I have my GPS. I'm so glad this thing is recalculating and getting me where I need to go. Because I can get lost. Well, life takes all of us on detours at times. And when we go on a detour, and we're not, we didn't expect to be there, and we're in uncharted waters, unfamiliar territory, 
We need to recalculate so that we can get on track, we can get to where we need to go. And so today I want to talk to you about the fact that we need to recalculate when life takes us on a detour. What are some of the detours that life takes us on? Well, how about the death of a loved one? That's a detour you don't sign up for. It's a detour that you're not quite ready for. And that detour goes on longer than you ever expected. How about health concerns? When you go to the doctor because you're not quite feeling right and, and you find that the doctor gives you this news that you certainly weren't expecting. And you step back and say, what, what does this mean? Where do we go from here? Financial concerns. Loss of a job. Or other reasons that cause you to find yourself wondering how are we going to make it with what we have coming in, with what we have in savings, with what we have in retirement. How are we going to make it? Relational problems. How are we going to navigate this? We didn't expect to be here. We didn't plan for this. These are the major detours life takes us on. And there are many minor ones as well and other major ones. We need to recalculate when life takes us on a detour. In our text today, in Philippians 1, verses 19 to 26, we see the Apostle Paul processing out loud for us on paper as he's writing to the Philippians how he's recalculating in light of his current circumstances, which is imprisonment, as we looked at last week. In last week's text, we saw him reassuring the Philippians that this thing that has happened to me, this imprisonment, has actually turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, and it's helping to encourage believers in their, in their boldness to share Christ. He, he recognizes the benefit, the, the things that God is doing in the midst of this difficult circumstance. But now, in verses 19 to 26, he is looking at the future. He's saying, okay, now... I've acknowledged this. This is what's going on. This is what God is doing. Now I want to process what I think might be the plan moving forward. And as he shares his, his thoughts on that, we can glean from this a couple of truths about the realities of walking, kind of being taken on a detour and recalculating. So let me read this for us. Philippians 1, 19 to 26. And then we're gonna we're gonna see what we what we can do to to recalculate. He says, For I know that this, and referring back to his imprisonment and the things that God is doing with it, I know that this shall turn out for my deliverance or salvation. 
through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that I shall not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ shall even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, and this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I don't, do not know which to choose, but I'm hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better, yet to remain on the flesh is more necessary for your sake. And convinced of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all in your progress and joy in the faith so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus by coming to you again. Two main truths I want to point out from what Paul is going through as he's, as he's musing on this, as he's saying, I know. And then when he says I know, he means I know intuitively, I perceive I, he doesn't know this as a matter of fact. He hasn't had a vision to our knowledge. Nothing in the text tells us that an angel came to him and said, Paul, this is what's going to happen, and uh, you're going to stand before the, the emperor, and then he's going to let you go, and you're going to go. He is looking at it and saying, and, and processing it all and saying, this is what I perceive. That's what he means. When he says, I know, I perceive this, that this thing that I am going through right now, this detour life has taken me on, that God is working through, will result, turn out, for my deliverance. Deliverance from what? Not, it's not salvation as we think of it, salvation and going to heaven. He's already secured that through Christ. This is deliverance from the shame he talks about in verse 20. I shall not be put to shame in anything. And so what is the principle? It is this. Detours in life give us the opportunity to reevaluate our perspective on life. Detours in life give us the opportunity to reevaluate our perspective on life. He's thinking about what he's, what he's presently going through. And this imprisonment, this circumstance, has the potential of bringing shame to the Apostle Paul. We don't know. He doesn't tell us what that shame is. Maybe he's ashamed of the chains. Maybe he is, he is because uh, he's a human being, he has emotions like you and I, he's got thoughts run through his head. Maybe he's thinking, you know, if I wasn't chained here, I could be out sharing the gospel with more people going more places, making an impact for Jesus. Yes, I know God is working through this imprisonment. Maybe there is a, an element of shame in that, that he's not able to carry on what he had been doing. Maybe he struggles like the rest of us do. with the shame of the gospel. Now, he says in Romans, right, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, right? We would all say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. 
But there's something about shame here. And again, I don't want to speculate too much. I don't want to put anything that isn't there in the text. I'm just, just offering this as, as thoughts because he's saying, I, I don't want to be ashamed of anything. And he says that I am convinced or I'm, I'm intuitively know that this thing will turn out. And how is it going to happen? He says, through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I am counting on the prayers of the saints for my deliverance from shame. And I would add to that two boldness. He says, but that, in verse 20, but that with all boldness Christ shall be exalted. Delivered from shame to boldness. He's saying, pray for me. And then I believe that through your prayers, God will provide for me through His Spirit. Is there another place in the Bible where we see Him asking for this? Turn back one page to Ephesians chapter 6. Again, many believe that He wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all around the same time, probably from the same prison cell. Um, he says in verse 18, after He has just talked about putting on the armor of God, he says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance, petition for all the saints, and verse 19, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. And that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I think that sounds like somebody who's concerned that he might not step up to the plate in the moment when it comes. He wants them to pray for him because he knows that there is weakness in this human flesh. He knows that there are times in which we struggle to step up and to proclaim boldly for whatever reason. So he says, I know through your prayers that God will provide for me what I need to be delivered from shame and to step into a boldness so that in everything, whether life or in death, Christ might be exalted in me. That is Paul's purpose for living. And for dying. That Christ might be exalted, magnified, made, made known, made, made clearer to those who, who can't see Him real well. Just like these glasses help me to see the words on this page clearer. They don't make the page any clearer. They don't change the character of anything other than they give me the ability to see it clearer. And it's the same way for us. We exalt Christ. That doesn't mean we make Him any bigger or make Him any better. No, He is who He is. We make it clearer to other people. We make Him seem bigger to other people who can't see Him. That's what this word means. That's Paul's purpose. And Paul is processing that. Maybe because he needs to remind himself, 
Probably because he needs to remind the Philippians. And certainly as a reminder to us. So it leads to a couple questions we should ask as we are on the detour, finding ourselves in unfamiliar places, and our tendency when we are there is to become on high alert to our situation. And when we become on high alert to our situation, we can easily lose sight of the bigger picture and realize God's in control and live with an eternal perspective. We get so focused on this, this thing that's happening, that's causing grief, that's causing uncertainty, that's causing pain, that's causing doubt. All those things, we get focused on that thing. And so we should ask ourselves a couple questions. First of all, what is your purpose in life? Why are you here? Not why are you in this predicament, why are you in this circumstance, but why are you walking on earth right now? Why are we still here? Many people in the church, believers, think that we're here to get saved. Okay, if that's all it was, then why didn't God take you home after you got saved? He left you here. He left you here for a reason. This purpose goes beyond our individual salvation, though that's a part of it. Paul says, my purpose is that Christ shall be exalted. Either by life or by death. Some people, their purpose in life is to make money. Make as much as they can. Buy as many toys as they can with it. And they live with a philosophy, he who dies with the most toys wins. Well, we know he who dies with the most toys still dies. We know that. And we can't take it with us. And yet, we can enjoy it here. Right? There, is, there is a piece of that that makes sense when you're living with a, a temporal perspective rather than with eternity in view, right? Because our, our, our purpose is to gather as much money so we can have as much stuff. Why? Because that stuff says, we, we're, we believe, we are told that that stuff will make us happy, right? Because our, maybe our purpose in life is to ultimately be happy. And when we find that the stuff we bought didn't make us ultimately happy, we think, well, then I need to have more stuff better stuff. I've got to make more money. Or the person that I'm in relationship right now doesn't always make me happy, so maybe I need to ditch them and find someone else. And this is the process, and this is the problem because we keep going after things that never ultimately satisfy. Because our purpose is wrong. It might be success. It might be that our kids will, be, uh, will turn out well, and then when they disappoint us, when our world is wrecked. I mean, there's all kinds of nuances to this. The fact is, any purpose outside of the reason by which God created and designed us will never fully satisfy. Paul says, I am living so that Christ may be ultimately exalted, magnified, that others might see Christ in me. Whatever that means for me, whatever detour life takes me on, or God's directing, 
this is what I'm doing. That's hard to keep that perspective, for sure. Secondly, what is your perspective on life? What is your perspective? Paul says, verse 21, here's his perspective. But to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. To live, whatever my circumstance, to live in this is for Christ to live in me. Right? That, that Galatians 2.20, the crucified life. He says, I'm crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Right? It's the Christ gave his life for me so he could take my life from me so he could live his life through me. That's the crucified life. And that's what Paul's saying. For to me to live is Christ. It's Christ living in me. And if I die, well, that's gain. Imagine, how would we handle the difficulties of life if we had that kind of perspective going into it? Bring it on. Because I know that whatever I go through, Christ is living in me, and, and He is working, and if this ultimately leads to my death, that's gain for me. But how many of us really do that? That's hard. It's hard. And, and, and the fact that Paul is saying, pray for me, that I be delivered from shame to boldness, tells us that Paul didn't always live this way perfectly. He wanted to. He strove after it. That's why these detours are a great time for us to recalculate, reevaluate our perspective and ask ourselves these hard questions. Why am I here? What is my perspective as I'm walking this journey? Because we easily forget. Again, this, this isn't intended to be an indictment in any way. It's just let's be honest with the fact that we are living a fleshly body and we've got, we're so tied to this place. And so we've, we've got to continue to remind ourselves to let go and allow God to do His work. Uh, in all honesty, I'm more like Paul in verse 19. I want to be delivered from shame than I am like Paul in verse 21. For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I'm more like, Lord, please don't let me screw this up. God, get me through this in some way. Would you just use me somehow in the midst of this? Because I have no idea where I'm going or what I'm doing. So these things continue to push us. And when we live in our, in our comfort zone continually, when, when that becomes our purpose to stay comfortable, to make sure that nothing ever makes me feel uncomfortable in my life, I never have to ask these questions because they just kind of cruise. So God says, well, if, if you're not willing to step out of the comfort 
maybe I'll just push you into it. I'll just take you in a little detour. And again, we know not all detours are <clears throat> for the same reason. Or, but God is working. Daryl Bach, in his commentary um, on these uh, prison epistles, he says, Paul's hope for the future, centered as it was in Jesus, kept him from making too much of his current circumstances. This hope enabled him to reassess his circumstances, not by suppressing his emotions, evident throughout this letter, but by relating them to God's sovereignty and to Jesus' centrality in life. And so, what a great thing to remind us that as I'm going through this thing that's really hard, that I wouldn't wish on my, my worst enemy, and yet I find myself here, I have to believe because God is sovereign that God has allowed me to walk this journey. He has a purpose for it. What is the purpose of my life as I walk this journey? What perspective do I need to have as I walk this? This is why we need to pray for each other. Everyone in this room knows somebody going through a detour right now. Everyone online knows somebody going through a detour right now. And it may be a big detour. <clears throat> so let's pray. God, give them what they need as they walk this journey, as they go on this detour. God, would you strengthen them? Would you give them perspective? Would you help them in the in the those moments when they all alone, when they're where when they're in their own head and they're thinking and they're 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 processing things, maybe even the wrong way, and they're, they're the enemy is trying to work. And God, would you minister to them right now? You know, so many times we look at someone going through a hard thing and we say, I don't know how to help them. And many times we don't. We can't do anything to help them in this. Sometimes we can and we can be there. But sometimes there's nothing we can do except the most important thing we can do. Pray for them. Pray for God's work as He's doing this. That this detour will not be for, for naught. It will not be wasted. But that God will use it mightily ultimately for the exaltation of Himself through that person. The second major truth is that detours in life give us the opportunity to reestablish our direction in life. Somewhat similar, but maybe a little different perspective. Paul goes on, he says in verse 22, if I'm to live on in the flesh... I know what this will mean. It will mean fruitful labor for me. And I don't know which to choose. I'm hard-pressed on both sides because <laughs> to depart and be with Christ is far better. But to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for you. So he's caught between two desires. A desire to continue in fruitful labor for Christ and a desire to depart and go to be with Jesus. Now, Paul's not suicidal in any way. He's just longing for home, homesick. 
many of us find ourselves the older we get. Paul is not looking to do anything rash and unreasonable. He's not looking to make that decision. He's, he's simply processing and saying, man, if I had to choose, which would I choose? To keep serving in this place with all the, the difficulties. All the, you know, you go back and you see all the things that Paul went through because of his faith in Christ, because of his, his willingness to follow Jesus, all the, the beatings and being stoned, left for dead and shipwrecked, all these things. And he's looking and saying, that or glory. And just the fact that it was hard for him to think about which he would choose tells you something about his character. But he's caught in this. And after pondering the reality that it would be more necessary for the people that he has already started ministering to, those in Philippi and many others, to stay and to continue to serve, he said, I, I'm convinced of this, that it's more necessary for your sake that I stay. And so I know, again, I know intuitively, I perceive this thing that I shall remain on, continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. He was processing all that and thought, well, it seems to me God's going to keep me around a little longer. And God did. So two questions. What is the direction of your life? Where are you headed? First of all, step back. Where Ultimately, where are you headed? Do you know? Do you know where you're headed? Do you know that when this life is over, that you're going to be with God? See, God sent His Son here to provide that, to give us an assurance of that by, by taking upon Himself our sin and paying the punishment our sin deserves, satisfying the wrath of a holy God against sin. So He's taking care of that. He's invited us into that relationship with God. We come into that by faith, right? by putting our trust in Christ. And what he accomplished. Believing that what he did for us was sufficient. It would accomplish our salvation. I can do nothing to get myself there. I can do nothing to earn it. Nothing to deserve it. Christ did it for me. I trust in that. Now I've come into a relationship with God because of that faith. And I walk by that faith. But now, what is the direction of my life moving forward? Until he calls me home. As I'm on this detour or any other detour, as I'm journeying toward home, what is the direction of my life? Am I in a holding pattern just waiting for him to call me home? Am I just kind of spinning around there waiting for the, the airport to open up so I can land? Just cruising along. Or am I looking and saying, God, what do you have for me? What can you do with me? If you're like me, when I was growing up, you know, I heard all the time, yeah, God can use you, God wants to, and I, I, I didn't believe it. Now, who am I? Why would God want me to serve Him? What do I have to offer? 
And when I graduated from high school, I didn't have a whole lot of knowledge of where I was going from there. No one in my family before me had ever been to college. And so my parents, they didn't know what to do with a, with a child that was going to college. They didn't know that in that process. Didn't have any siblings that went. I, it was all kind of new. I, and I thought, well, I, I loved watching my father when he would, would design homes for people as he would draw out the layouts and the blueprints, and then he would build the house. And I thought, you know, I'd love to do that. Like, I like those things. So I, I think I'm going to be an architect. Well, because I didn't know how to, how to get myself to college, I waited and waited until the very last minute. I couldn't get in anywhere except for a local branch of Penn State that I could commute from home, and that's what I did. I found out real quickly that was not where I was supposed to be. I had no idea. God took me on a detour. And I found myself in a crisis. What am I going to do with my life? I'm, I'm flunking my classes. I don't, I can't, I don't, can't even pay attention in class. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know how to take notes on this stuff. I don't, I don't, I just don't know what I'm doing. So I went and saw my pastor. <laughs> I don't know what in the world God's doing. I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be a little spiritual, and that's what you say to the pastors. I don't know what God's doing. What I'm thinking is, I don't know what I'm doing in my life, but I got to kind of sound a little spiritual. So I don't know what God's doing. And he said, well, you know what you need to do? <laughs> and I knew. I need to give my life into his hands. I need to stop trying to control my life. I need to stop trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do and give myself to him and say, Lord, I belong to you. And I said, but he'll send me to Africa. He'll take me somewhere I don't want to go. So I found myself giving my life to the Lord and taking it back, giving it, taking it back, struggling back and forth, back and forth. And then I went up to a Christian camp. I was supposed to work there as a counselor. And during staff training, I realized very quickly I did not have what it takes to lead little children to Jesus. I knew I was saved, but I had very little understanding of, of how to to do this. And so I found myself in a desperate place and I said, Lord, be careful what you pray. If you can use me to, do, to, to have something to give to these kids, if you can use me in these kids' lives for one week, I will seriously consider serving you. I think I was sincere, as sincere as I could be, but I was desperate. I was trying to get out of this predicament. But God took me seriously. And how thankful I am that He did. That summer He called me to serve Him as a pastor. And I found then I went on a mission trip. I still was wondering, well, do I have what it takes? Is, you know, what God showed me was He can use me if I give up this idea that I have what it takes and I realize He has what it takes and I just trust Him. And He began to show me, I can do things through you if you let me. I don't need somebody who's got it all together. I just need somebody who's willing to say, I'm, I'm available. So what is the direction of your life? I 
You willing to ask God to show you that? Are you willing to step back and say, God, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. Um, would you lead me? Would you show me? God may show you how to follow Christ and exalt Jesus in the workplace where you are right now, in the home, in the neighborhood, in, the, in all the things that we do in this life. He may give you, he may give you some new direction, say, I want you to do this, and it was not what you're doing right now. I don't know what he's going to do. That's his business. But are we willing to ask him? I was just talking to somebody yesterday. We were out visiting our, our boys at Geneva and uh, ran into a, uh, a security guard there on campus. He used to be a New Tribes uh, missionary. And uh, now he's, he's uh, as an older man, he's, he's serving as a, a security man on, on campus. And he was telling me about another couple, friend of his, friends of his, that were, that were um, serving in one country. And then when they, when they left the field at 52 years old, they went to another field, learned another language, another culture, and served there for a time. I'm looking and saying, Lord, I'm 52. I can't learn another language. I can't learn another culture. I, I so it doesn't matter really how old we are or where we are in life. People retire young, and they have a lot of their life ahead of them, and they say, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. God knows what he wants to do. Are you willing to ask him? He doesn't need us to be have it all together. He just needs willing vessels. So what is the direction of your life? And secondly, are the needs of others more important than your desires? Think about that. Are the needs of others more important to you than your own desires? Our natural answer to that question is no way. My desires are trump everything else. That's how we are in our flesh. Paul is saying to depart and be with Christ is far better for me. But what's more necessary for others is that I remain and continue serving Christ and, and fruitful labor and therefore I'm I perceive that's what God has for me. And so I'm stepping in that. The only time this is ever natural is for mothers. When mothers have that little baby, the needs of that baby trump their desires every time. They desire some rest. I can get some sleep. I haven't slept the whole night for a long time. But that baby's crying, needs to be fed. And they're up. And they're meeting the need. And they're meeting the need. And they're meeting the need. And that continues on as those kids get older and those needs change. Mom is always there. Meeting the need. Almost to the point where she forgets what her desires are. Her desires become to meet the needs of her children. God would so work in us that we would begin to treat other people like that too. 
And we would see these people need Christ. But I want to do this with my time. This is what helps me relax. This is what helps me enjoy life a little bit. Again, there's nothing wrong with those things. Please understand. But I think we need to ask ourselves, and this is something I think God's been speaking to me about, are the needs of other people more important than your desires, particularly the needs of the unbelieving world? I'd much rather spend time with y'all than spend time with people that don't know Jesus. Just honestly. I'm praying and asking God, can you change my heart a little bit so that when I look at the fact that there are people around me that God is surrounding me with, God has naturally put into a connection where I can build a relationship. They have a need for Christ. And that need that they have needs to be more important than my desires or whatever else. That's a struggle. I think if we're honest, so many times, the reason we don't step into those is because either something else we want to do or we're, we're uncomfortable. Right? There's that comfort thing. Man, I, if I could live in the, com- in the center of my comfort zone, man, I'd stay there forever. That way, if something pulls me a little bit this way, I'm still in that comfort buffer, right? And something pulls me this way. But to step out intentionally, out of my comfort zone, and engage in a relationship where somebody is going to tell me something that I don't believe in, that they believe, and I gotta have, now I'm going to have this, this discussion without being argumentative, represent Christ well in the midst of this, it's uncomfortable. And so we need to ask the question before the Lord, God, where am I on this? Do I really love people? Do I really, am I really willing to put their needs above myself? And um, let Him guide you to the answer to that. It's challenging. It's convicting. Detours in life give us the opportunity to reevaluate our perspective, to re-establish our direction. Let me end with this little story. This is written by Elizabeth George in one of her books. She said, one day my daughter Catherine received an unusual phone call from a businessman who was making print and video catalogs of diamonds. His name is Steve. Steve had almost... Everything he needed to create his catalog. He had the diamonds, he had a studio, he had a camera, and he had lights. The one thing he needed was a pair of hands. A friend of his at the Master's College had told him, Catherine George has the longest, slimmest, loveliest, most beautiful hands I've ever seen. So, with that recommendation, he phoned Catherine. And Catherine drove to to downtown Los Angeles to model diamonds for the catalog. As soon as she arrived at the studio, Steve set up his camera and lights. And he opened his suitcase and pulled out a one piece of black velvet, the backdrop for the diamonds. After turning on his studio lights, he removed the diamonds from his case. One by one, Catherine began to model them. 
instructing Catherine to lift her hand up off the dark background toward the light as she modeled each ring. Steve explained, when you place a diamond against a black background, the darkness helps it seem more brilliant. And when the diamond is lifted toward a light, all its facets are revealed and allowed to sparkle. A diamond is pretty all by itself, but putting it against a black background and lifting it up to the light enhances its radiance and glory. The detour you are on right now is the black backdrop. And Christ in you is the diamond. And as we turn our attention to God, and we move toward the light, the beauty of Christ becomes so much more brilliant as people observe you against the backdrop of your circumstances. And Christ is exalted. He is magnified. As you walk through this journey, on this road, this detour, you didn't choose it. God allowed it. And God is using it. And as you lift your face toward the, toward the Lord, as you look to Him, as you say, God, I don't understand what's going on, but I'm trusting You. I believe You. Help me through this. As others are praying for you and you lift your face, Christ is exalted. So, let the detour help you recalculate. Ask the questions. Ask the Lord to help us process it. Let's pray for each other as we walk these journeys. Our Father, we acknowledge, first of all, we don't like taking detours. But you call us into those. The blacker the circumstances, the brighter you can shine. Lord, we acknowledge that we're all on a detour in a worldwide pandemic. So many facets to this craziness. From the, the virus and the vaccine to the, the political craziness that's going on. The things going on around the world. It's dark. God, would you help us? Help us to lift our heads. Help us to get out of the news, get out of the, the stuff that's causing us to, to be so fixated on, on details of what's going on around us that we miss the fact that God's still on the throne. God's still at work. And God wants to exalt Christ through us in the middle of all this. And in the Individual circumstances that many are walking right now. Oh God, would you give them strength for the journey? Would you, would you give them reminders of the purpose, of the perspective, 
of what the direction is. And God, would you challenge us to get out of ourselves and to stop looking at what we want and, and see the needs around us and some that we can meet, some that we can be part of what you're doing in other people's lives. God, would you keep working? Would you be pleased to exalt Christ in us? For this, we give you thanks and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.